Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Sculpture Life podcast. We are back, and today I have another special guest on the show. Coming on today is an amazing fitness and health coach, Miss Kendall Wield. We actually go way back, long story short, but uh, we both got selected to be part of a fitness reality show, did the whole shebang, shot a trailer, did a shot a pot, uh, pilot together. I won't go all into all the details and spoil it for you guys, but some exciting things are definitely in the works. And while we're in the process of filming the show, we hit it off and became friends. And so here we are. I asked her to come on as a guest today because she is very knowledgeable and passionate about all things health and wellness related. But today we're going to be diving in and talking all about the history and evolution of women's fitness. Really interesting topic, guys. Kendall is very passionate about this one of how sports and fitness has evolved over the decades, as well as the influence of social media and how it's affected the industry. So before we get started, I want to give Kendall a proper introduction. She is the owner of Doll Fitness, which was founded in 2015 when she realized her passion was empowering women to use their gym membership more effectively and debunk myths surrounding weight training and how it affects a woman's body. Helping women reach their goals and expanding their horizons above traditional at-home or bodyweight workouts. She loves to get her clients into the gym environment and use weight training equipment they would have previously been too nervous to try. The goal is to place power back into women's hands when it comes to their fitness and lifestyle routine. And now folks, I wanna give a warm welcome to our featured guest, Kendall Weald. How are you, girl? Hello, I'm good. Damn, girl, nice intro. <laughs> Could not have said it better myself. <laughs> I'm so excited happy to have to you on. Here. This is awesome. Yeah, I'm really happy to be here. My How's your week podcast. been? Um, week is good. You know, this week is actually bittersweet. I was supposed to be getting married this Saturday, um, oh, the 4th of July. I remember. Yeah, but because of COVID, it was canceled this year. And even like, um, you know, it was going to be in Niagara-on-the-Lake and we were going to have a staycation kind of thing. So yesterday we would have been driving up there and probably like spending, you know, wineries and stuff. And then Saturday would have been um, the wedding. And then next, the week after that, we would have been heading to Greece. Oh, well. But, you know. Year, I <laughs> Things guess, happen. Eh? Took an L, but that's okay. Yeah. And, uh, next year we um we rescheduled it for next year. You're gonna have to celebrate <laughs> even harder next year. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gonna have to. You know, every yeah. there's worse things in the world, right? Worst things that could happen. But other than that, you know, it's gonna it's been a good week. Awesome. Well, I'm nice. glad to hear. I'm yeah. so happy to have you on. Like this is this really is amazing. This talk, yeah. and I'm actually super excited about diving into this topic with you because I know how passionate you are about it. And yeah, I, I think the audience will really get a lot out of this conversation that we're going to have today. So let's not delay it. Um, so like we talked about, I'm going to, we want to talk about the evolution of women's fitness. I mean, how far do we, how far back do we want to take it? We can go way back to yeah, the 1920s good. and 30s where the focus was all about calisthenics training and using your own body weight to move. Mm -hmm. it, we can go back to the 50s, the 60s. So comparing it back then to now, the different yeah. phases of women's fitness and how it's changed. Like 
How would you right. describe it or how would you best describe the changes over the decades? Well, I'd say for one, I think just gender roles overall have a huge impact on women's fitness and women's physical activity. So you were saying like, if we went all the way back to the twenties and thirties, like we're talking way backs, um, you know, even like our knowledge on women's health was very mm-hmm. minimal at that time. Like, I don't, I really don't think uh, a lot of the medical advice surrounding women's health, there is like, they actually believed that there was a, women had a certain amount, like a finite amount of energy. And if you, in like just doing simple womanly tasks at the right. time, and even our periods and like our menstrual cycle, they believed affected that amount of energy. That's just how they looked at human energy. They didn't see it as like a metabolism. They thought of it, oh, you have like say 50 units of energy today. And if you tap that out, like we don't really know what happens after that. So women, since you are like tender and soft and you're a certain way, like you need to just sit down and sit in the corner and you need to sit there and like, cause you know, your periods and stuff like, damn, like that is just very taxing on you. That is... Right. No, that's true. I do remember that back in the back in the 1920s and 30s, and it definitely it's definitely evolved since then. But even the style of if you think about the way women move their bodies back then, and it was all about just like you know small little movements and tiny, yeah, delicate standards. Yeah, this delicate kind of way of moving, and then now it's shifted. I mean, in the last while, to actually using weights and training a lot differently. Yeah, and I, I really do think it's just because our gender roles have evolved and we do more and um, like, thank God. Um, but we, yeah, we have more education overall in the medical field, but also within our own rights, like our own mm-hmm. academia. And um, yeah, so then they start kind of being, okay, well, what kind of sports can women participate in? You know, then there's that certain like, okay, well, you can do uh, maybe like lawn bowling or like tennis but not too hard don't go too hard with tennis Mm -hmm. like just kind of very delicate dainty stuff but that has evolved definitely and I think honestly it just has evolved with our gender roles but also we've had to push that we've had to be like no 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 like okay like we get our periods it doesn't matter like we have like the same energy you do like sometimes more same thing yeah sometimes Um, more right definitely so it's just kind of medicines evolved, gender roles have evolved. Mm -hmm. And I find like, here we are today, um, just with that evolution of like medical knowledge and our academia and our education levels and what we do in our gender roles as women, for sure. So that's definitely uh, had a huge impact on where we are today. It's really fascinating, you know, like going back and just looking specifically at women and how we've evolved through sport and activity. Absolutely. It's very interesting to see and like look at it from a bird's eye view perspective. Absolutely. And like, I mean, I want, I, and I know you're really passionate about this topic, like as a former varsity soccer player, like I want to talk, let's talk about the evolution of women's sport within universities and how that's evolved. Like, mm-hmm. like tell me a little bit about that. Cause you, and that's you know right. So one thing that was a big impact on women's sport and our participation in university and varsity sport, because obviously, uh, I'd say before actually it was 1972 when Title IX came out, and that was basically saying that your sex and your gender cannot be discriminatory on what sports and ed- and education you were allowed to participate in. 
um, if it's federally financed. So basically this was in the United States in 1972, but I'm sure Canada did follow suit, but I'm just going to talk about specifically the, the U.S. Mm-hmm. in that. And um, because at the time, and I, honestly still to this day, like P, the United States football program really is the number one indicator for financial Um, access to the university so if you have a very like that's kind of what would make the um, universities tier in the way that they do is how good their sports are and specifically how good the football team is so obviously women were not playing football um, Mm -hmm. and we're not allowed to do that and some of them weren't even allowed to take certain courses Mm -hmm. but then 1972 title nine came out and now your sex cannot be you can't be discriminated on based on your sex. So you can take whatever sports you want if it's federally um, funded. So that was a big, that was a game changer because now you have not only like that just raised the ceiling and that glass ceiling a bit for the, what women can participate in, even from a young level. Okay. Because now you have say a young girl at the time, where it was like, oh, I want to play sports. I want to play with like uh, what my brothers are doing. It's like, okay, well, you can like maybe play house league because where are you going to go, right? There was nowhere to go. There was no university or, right. or college or varsity level. So then because there was no varsity, there may not have been as competitive rep programs. And because there was no competitive rep, there may not have been competitive select or tournaments. Everything was just like recreation. Right. So because now they've open that up to women as having a var you can be a varsity athlete as a woman and maybe get scholarships like down the line now as girls at our youth now we have more access to even better rep leagues select leagues training tournaments conditioning like all of that is opened up for us so now women's sport in its all entirety has evolved just basically just by opening up a varsity level it's just a trickle down effect right so that's just what's kind of even um so i grew up playing hockey um hockey and soccer grew up playing hockey when i played i played for the stovall stars and when i played there it was really i was really new into women's only hockey okay there was a lot of there wasn't really a women's league up until like maybe like five years before me so pretty fresh but what it is now is even 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 better. So every decade, I'd say it's getting better and better and more competitive. Right. I was going to ask you that the difference of when you were playing hockey back ten, what was it? Maybe ten years ago versus mm-hmm. versus now. I'm sure it's evolved even Evolution, even yeah. so. Every yeah. five, every five ten years, right? I, th- the I opportunities. would say so. You know, like. For sure. The opportunities, like I played with girls who did play for their universities. Um, I, like, I, I chose the soccer route and um, I played for Laurier for just two years for the varsity mm-hmm. program there. But for hockey, there is girls that were on my team and I played with and then they moved on to a university, whether it was like York or Western or um, U of T. And even some of them went to the States to play. But um I would say like now they take it even more seriously at the younger youth level. Like when we first started, Mm -hmm. you know, like it probably Mm -hmm. wasn't as serious, but now I would say it's like even better. And that's just, I think more, honestly, I think it's even more like the parents, like the, the, um, the dads and, or the moms that are kind of taking the girls sport more seriously. They're shifting their 
they're shifting their perspective. Yeah, yeah. I think so. I really do. Mm-hmm. I think that matters because then look who, who coaches, who coaches is usually the parents at that age, right? Exactly. Yep. You know, like, but now you have more uh, capacity for them to go further. Hey, like you can get a scholarship. Who wouldn't want to work? You wouldn't want a scholarship, right? Like exactly. So now you have that, like they can look at their girl and be like, yo, you can go somewhere with this. Like you can really go further. And there's always been sports, certain sports, like I'm talking just hockey specifically, but there's always been sports I think that are just more a lucrative sport for women. Like tennis, for example, um, is has always been extremely lucrative, more so than for sure. Um, than other sports, like for women, they, you know, they make more, it's more, a little bit more equal, but we're still not equal. Like still not still long, long ways to go. I mean, it's getting better, but there's still a lot, a lot of progress. You know, we don't get, um, media exposure, right? Like you don't get that on like TSN or like uh, all the sports, you know, all the sports, it's always men. And they're dominated by males. Male dominated. Male athletes. And then they say like, well, we can't uh, broadcast it because there's not enough, like there isn't enough fans and there's not enough like funding for that. It's like, maybe there's not enough fans because you don't broadcast Exactly. It. I am sure if female sports were actually broadcasted and on the media, yeah. there would be a flood of people watching. I think maybe so. Even more, I think even more, to be honest. For sure. Because look, you watch say a hockey game, you're like, oh, I'll go, I want to go to a hockey game one day. Right. Okay. Like you don't even know when they're, when these competition or the tournaments are on and the games, you don't even know when they're playing. It's same with like the Olympics. You see all these sports, like every four years, like for the, the, even the winter Olympics mm-hmm. where like, it kind of goes cyclically and like you, these sports and these athletes, these phenomenal athletes finally get some media exposure and then maybe say like snowboarding, for example, then you'll see a bunch of kids being like, I want to go snowboarding. Right. Exactly. Like I saw that guy on TV at the Olympics. I want to do that or say like track or something like there's always, I think the more you see it, the more you want to do it, but you know, our media exposure is still needs some work for sure. We've come a long way, but it's still, you know, we can. Absolutely. Okay. So now, you know, we've talked about the um, athletics and the sports. Now, another Mm -hmm. fascinating thing that I want to talk about is how, the female body, how it's been objectified over the decades and the standards of what, mm-hmm. what's considered ideal and beautiful has flooded the media and magazines, leaving women, you know, feeling, you know, having body shame and all these things. And as much as there's been progress in terms of how the media and magazines have portrayed women, it's still so ingrained in our psyche to mm-hmm. look a certain way. We're, we're born into, we're born into this. It's just manufactured that way. And what shifts and movements have you seen that's had a really positive impact and what do you think still needs to happen? Yeah, it's interesting, right? To see that, um, like m- myself growing up, even like some certain movies, like if like clueless, for example, like throwback, like TV shows and movies, like legally blonde, like th- that, that are, have a certain style and fashion to them right. compared to now, like, and then, you know, we grew up having like Kate Moss, for example, as like, that's the pivotal female figure. Like she was the icon. Thin. Yeah. yeah. Thigh just gaps. Like, all yeah, that. that's it. Just gaps everywhere. <laughs> gaps upon gaps. <laughs> <laughs> just a gap. Right. That's uh but um and now yeah, it's pivoted, right? To be but that's like even throughout history, you see like uh it was like curv curvaceous and like a little bit more thicker was that was coveted like way back. Right. In like medieval periods, because that was seen as like that robust or healthy. And then it was like, no, no, real thin. Like you want 
and then it went into existence and And now we're going towards um and honestly as much as it kind of pains me to say this i really do think the kardashians had a lot to do with this movement of that curvaceous body 100 they do perpetuate i find like that african-american body of curvy curvaceous because within african-american culture that's always been sexy and you know like that absolutely so they definitely perpetuate that but just because they're the they they are who they are they have the more media exposure they have like the they have it all going on for them and they're seen as like popular and cool and trendy and fashionable and i think since they started perpetuating that kind of body type even like through plastic surgery or whatever and the same time there has been like a positive spin on it because i think it has kind of made you know like curvy be more in and like strong and muscular that's just speaking from curvy Right, we're not yeah. even getting into like the oh. strong and athletic or muscular yet. Right? right. So I found like from the curvy, people are like, oh well, like I want a bigger butt. How do you get a bigger butt? And then there now we a come thing. in, the person it became a thing. And then the personal trainers come in and it's like, well, you don't have to get surgery to have a bigger butt. You don't have to get that Brazilian butt lift to get a bigger butt. You can do right. weights. And then it kind of evolved from there, right? It's like, oh well. I want to get more toned. I want to get more sculpted. Like, how do I get more of like that? You can still look womanly and lift weights. And I think that has a lot to do with just Instagram because we see more, right? Totally. And the thing with Instagram is it has such an influence on, on women. And and that was, that's leading into my next question is how social media has changed the fitness industry for women as trainers and fitness influencers, Mm. but also women who are absorbing the um, information and ever and the photos and everything that's out there and the influence it's had on women's body image and the comparison syndrome that happens. So on Mm. one hand, it's like, I find whatever's trending on social media, people just eat it up and then it becomes this comparison thing. So it's like, mm-hmm. how do you think that that's influenced? Like, there, I mean, there's the pros and cons with it, right? Oh my God, for sure. There's lots of pros, lots of pros. And there, mm. there are cons too, absolutely. And I think even when I started personal training back in, what was that, like 2013, Instagram was not a thing. Like it wasn't, I think, or it may be very preliminary, but not as what it is today. So I'm going to just say it wasn't really a thing, but it was, uh, like, I remember specifically a trainer trying to explain to somebody what a hashtag was. Mm -hmm. And that person was like, I don't get it. Like, what is is it? Like, how does that, they're like, this hashtag connects you to this group of people. And he's like, what are you talking about? And look where it is today. Right. Like who would have known it would just blow up. But yeah, like. There's so many trends on Instagram, especially if we're just talking within the fitness industry. I mean, like, look at all the ones we've been through, been through, I would say the first people, the first person that really kicked off fitness for women on social media was probably Kayla Cena's, mm-hmm. the um, bikini body guy. Bikini body, yeah. Like, yeah, all um, body weight stuff and in your room accessible. And I mean, that's not new. That's not a new thing. Like I, like P90X, there was insanity. There is like Susanna Light, who I love her. I would follow her. She did that too, right? She did, but she was the first one to make it like an ebook, transformations on social media. And um, so that I felt, and then people are like, okay, 
I felt like it kind of snowballed from there because then there'd be like, okay, so that's body weight, but now how do we get a little bit more muscle tone? Like, how do I get, like, how do I do go up from body weight? And then in comes like some more personal trainers on Instagram who have now they're, now you're shifting your perspective to be like, look, you can lift weights and get exactly what you're wanting and not look bulky you know that bulkiness and and that's, and that's the I know and a lot of women unfortunately it's still ingrained in 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 women's psyche the whole you lifting weights yeah, will become it's it's still a, it's still a thing right we're not um, there yet also I think that's also because people aren't 100% honest on Instagram like I see people who are doing body weight a lot of body weight um programs but we would know they do a lot of weightlifting on the side to look like. Yeah, exactly. They're not advertising that to them. But if you have somebody that's a beginner has no idea and you're looking at this person and she has like very sculpted bod looking really toned, really good doing like only body weight, we would know you don't, you don't get how she looks from just doing what she's doing there. She's just not t- showing you the whole picture. I think that would be like, you did ask before, like, what would I change or what was, wh- where do we still need to go? And I would say like, just being more vulnerable, even on Instagram, like just kind of really more authentic and vulnerable. And I was just going to say, even as fitness trainers and uh, fitness trainers and influencers, there's a lot of pressures on us as uh, us being on social media and, you know, um, like to look a certain way and like there's so much objectification ha- yeah, that happens i know oh even in God. the gym working with a lot of males there's constantly this objectification that happens it's like mm-hmm. oh you look too bulky maybe you should like get more boobs or get a bigger butt and it's like a, it just it's a mm-hmm. thing right but on it social is a media, thing. it's still a thing and but on social media posting more vulnerable real images of ourselves that are just like actually and just being authentic of like get to show the full picture show the because right? that beginner is going to look at that person and be like well i guess i just had to do body weight to get like that and it's just but, like no it's years of you know this person had probably been 10 years of work working out five days a week so it's not an accurate right. representation of what they've but it's whatever to sell a program right like whatever sells, whatever is marketable. So, and look, I'm definitely not perfect with the, um, being authentic. And like, you brought up a really good point with, uh, constantly kind of being like, okay, because say I'm a personal trainer and because people are going to come to me, like, I don't want to post if I'm, I mean, everybody went through COVID, everybody's <laughs> routines changed. Like I, my activity went down. I felt like I've gained some weight and, I don't want to take pictures of myself right now because I'm like, well, if I, if, if I'm uh, looking one way, is that going to affect my business? Like we're all vulnerable to it. Right. And it's something like I would love to improve and I try to improve on, but like, look, I'm only human here. Like it's, <laughs> but even it's just tough. admitting to that. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like I know, I know in the first like six to eight weeks, I straight up, I was like seven pounds up. I was just, you know, less active and just kind of not, I wouldn't say let myself go, but I just, you know. Um, yeah, your, your routines change. My routine. Well, we went from like being on our feet all day. Exactly. To not. And I find that's like even say like dieting or whatever aside, that non-exercise physical activity yeah. has so much to do with keeping, I noticed that keeping me in better shape, like just 
running errands, going up and down stairs, just being on my feet for three hours at a time with clients. Like that kind of thing is hugely impactful. But, um, yeah, no. And it's just accepting also that like, and that's the thing, right? You know, just accepting like, it's okay if you, if your weight fluctuates, like if it fluctuates, but yeah, you know, they're, we're dealing with, you know, big things here. Right. And, but even this whole, with COVID happening, there was such an uprise in, you know, people getting concerned about gaining weight. Like everyone would those uh-huh. the whole COVID 15 became a hashtag and a meme and yeah. stuff. And that was exacerbating and creating more issues for people, especially that are vulnerable and struggling with like, you know, serious body so issues. And it, it just goes back to um, the mm-hmm. whole thing about we are so we live in this like fat phobic society where it's like weight gain during a pandemic is still is like the biggest thing on people's minds. You're so right, you know, and like, it's almost contradictory thinking based on what we just were talking about and being like, we think we've evolved, we think we've gotten there. And I think we have in a certain aspects to be like, we are more all body encompassing, like even mm-hmm. Nike, I saw um, one of my clients actually posted a picture of it. Nike at one of the Nike stores had a plus size mannequin. Or even a, not even, I don't even think it was plus size. It was just like a normal size mannequin right. that wasn't like a real thin one. I was like, wow, that is huge for Nike to actually do that and put clothes on a normal size mannequin body because we know those things are like freaky. But it would be, um, like we 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 think we're we're trying to get there, and yet we still have this underlying like that what there's, you were just saying, like can't gain weight. Like there's all still that about, underlying like, message always. And are we ever going to get out of that? I would, I, I probably, honestly, like, to be honest, probably not. Like, there, I'm sure it's always going to be there in some aspect, but we I can think, neutralize oh, it. There you, you go. You know, neutralize it. Yeah. 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 There's, it's just getting um, less saturated with it. It's always going to be there. You can't take that away, but it's just going to be not as big of a, you're not going to see like as many, um, of the same body type everywhere and all the ads and all the billboards. You're not going to see that as much anymore. That's, I think those days are done. That's very passe. <laughs> yeah. You're only seeing one body type constantly. That's done. Exactly. That's coming back. And so what advice can we give to women who engage and absorb social media content? Because it, it is easy to go down in the comparison mode with all the photos, and the booty hole. pics, and it, yeah, yeah, a lot of women can go down in this rabbit hole. So how can we f- reframe this for women and how to not get pulled into, into it and maintain this healthy, healthy boundary with what they are consuming. So one thing with the Instagram algorithm, I've even noticed for myself is on that discovery page, say if like one picture caught your eye and you click it, you're going to be shown more of that. Right. So if, and I have to, I actually monitor myself because I'm like, okay, no, these pictures make me feel like self-conscious and make, and don't make me feel also, I just want to touch on um, really quickly before I get into this, how prevalent Photoshop is in Instagram pictures. Okay, that's something we need to talk about. I didn't even realize that was a thing. You know how shocked I was when I found out that- Shocking. That, that, peop- that Photoshop is a thing that people use on a regular? I have never I've edited never- a picture and I don't know how. Like no, I literally maybe, don't I know, know how to there's edit a picture. App for it. There's apps. So call us like we are naive. Okay. Like, so we we need to really like 
edu- I mean, we need to ed- yes. educate ourselves, but yeah, <laughs> number one, number one. But so we need to let women know that that whatever you're yeah, saying, not to say every photo say out there, they are photoshopped. They are like they're. You can make your skin more tanned. You can do insane things that are like absolutely mind-blowing what you can do on an app nowadays to your body so that's number one just know that even if it makes you it comforts you even a little bit you know you go if like me and you if you we can we go to like fitness competition and everything and you see these in fitness influencers who look bomb whatever that means to you in your on their profile but you see them in person and it's a completely different person and it's because how prevalent so this is what, and this is where the authenticity and, and all of ties in. So my advice is like, because like you said, if there's a certain photo that you look at and then it keeps popping up, more of those photos will pop up. Yeah. I, I truly believe that the five accounts that you follow should be like inspirational, empowering and uh-huh. uplifting. So I, I yep. follow usually about four to five accounts that usually flood my feed and it's usually um, certain accounts. And it's not, I try, I, I try not to absorb the, you know, the stuff that I feel is not, not authentic. Just try so not to click it. It's just going to really, get more of it. It's just really finding what resonates and what speaks yeah. to you and realize and being able to, you know, differentiate. Yeah. I, you know what, I was going to say the same thing before I got into the Photoshop thing is, um, you know, even in that time of like clarity, cause you could be in like this, this moment where you're just kind of clicking on all these people and you're just feeling like shittier and shittier about yourself as you like keep going down, try to like grab yourself out of that and start, like you said, following accounts that are the opposite of that, because then you're going to get shown more of their content. And then when every time you open up your Instagram page, you're not flooded with things that make you feel insecure and make yourself feel bad about yourself. You're now given a lot more positive things it's just like it could be anything though it could be like animals dogs like anything that can just disrupt yeah that could just disrupt that um that the discovery page and kind of start showing inspirational quotes like gardens plants whatever the birds i don't know whatever the hell you want just like change that algorithm over a bit so you're not as sad every time you open it up. Exactly. And I do feel like we should have some diversity in, in terms of like the pages we're following too. It shouldn't be just all, yes. you know, fitness, 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 so, you know, like, like you said, follow, um, health and wellness pages, nutrition based pages, um, you know, self-empowerment pages, inspirational quotes, like really diversifying your feed so that it's not yeah. just if, it, and some people really do a good job at that, but I'm just saying, if you are someone who's vulnerable and you do tend to follow these accounts that make you feel bad, and then you compare yourself is just to take a step start back unfollowing them. and start on following them. Cause don't follow things that yeah. make you feel bad about yourself that 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 make you feel shameful that put you in the comparison mode like really try to be aware of the accounts that you're following and ensure that they are things that are uplifting inspiring and motivating you rather than the opposite right totally you can go down in a bad downward spiral big time you wouldn't even notice it like it's the algorithm just works that way you know like you won't even notice it until you open up the page and you're like what the hell is going on with my feed like why is every single 
one of my pictures shown to me something that's making me feel like garbage. Like you have to be, like you said, you have to be aware of it. How am I walking away from an account? Do I walk away feeling like motivated, inspired, confident, happy, or do you walk away kind of feeling like you're not good enough and you're not doing enough and da 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 and like kind of feeling like because you have a choice. We you have a choice on Instagram. If you do not have to follow this person, if you don't engage with them, if you scroll through them, unfollow them. Like it's very simple. It's not like you we all have choices, right? It is simple to do. We have a choice on there to follow who we want and you can unfollow. And I really highly like do a do an Instagram cleanse on it. Unfollow accounts that really just do not resonate with you. Um, you do not engage with, you don't read their captions. Even if you're not reading anything that they're posting, just give them an unfollow. It's, it's really, you know, we're reading it before you're not going to miss it. Like it's, exactly, <laughs> exactly. you know, I think, um, but also like, you don't have to follow every single fitness account, follow one that like you were saying that resonates with you. You said like four to something accounts, follow one that resonates you, maybe two and stick stick to those you don't have to follow everybody because then it gets convoluted and then it gets um confusing and you're kind of all over the place you're like well what do i want what do i want who do i resonate with and um you're getting a whole bunch of different messages and a whole bunch of different like marketing strategies thrown at your face and and different opinions on what what um nutritional opinions. opinions fitness opinions and so that's why it's like sticking to the same kind of um, the same accounts that resonate, like, yeah, that resonate with you. Because if you keep, fo- if you follow different, um, different fitness backgrounds or different theories, you might get all confused and, oh, but this person said this and this account. Yeah, said yeah, this. Yeah. So really kind of, um, narrowing down the focus a little bit, right? Everybody has a marketing strategy on here. I think this is something where social media and Instagram has changed huge. Everyone has, a marketing strategy. So for example, keto, intermittent fasting, why do we constantly see these like ebbs and flows in these trends of diets? Because they're like, oh, is it, like the fitness industry is like, oh, okay, is that what people want right now? Is that what people are doing? Okay, I'm going to throw out like my keto ebook. And then that person is like, oh, oh, that's what she did. Oh, I'm going to do that too. And now all of a sudden everybody's doing a keto intermittent fasting. It becomes Just a trend. Like, yeah. It becomes a trend because they hop on trends in order to sell to their audiences. And we have to be more aware of like, maybe from a, maybe it's just for us because we're in the business that we see it that way, but maybe somebody doesn't see it that way. They're just like, oh, okay. Like this is what we're doing now. It's like the next fad or the next, yeah, the next trend that we might not see it as a fad at all. We, they might see it as more like, is this what you have to do? Is this what like, is this the new research or something? But I think you just have to be more of like that critical thinker be like, well, why is everybody jumping on the same thing? And it's kind of like a, a little bit of a fad. Like it's not really like overly realistic. I'm not, I'm not bashing keto. I'm just saying like, then you had the Atkins diet, you had like celery juice, you had charcoal for a while. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. you just, yeah, we're diving into nutrition. I mean, we could talk all day about the nutrition stuff because like at the end yeah. of the day, you know, all of these different modalities of nutrition. That's what you were saying, right? Like everybody's going to have a different marketing strategy. Everyone has a different approach. Um, So just follow, that's what just would be my number one advice. Unfollow people. If you don't read it, unfollow it. No one's going to get offended. It's your choice. It's no big deal. Um, Yeah. Like one, one person said this to me once, her name is Lucy. She's a lovely human being. And she told me, very simple 
to me, it just like really resonated. Look how many pizza shops we have. Like, look how many different pizza brands we have. I live in Stouffville on my one street. I have like 15 different options for pizza, but everyone's going to have one that they favorite. like the most. <laughs> that's a good point. Everyone's going to have a favorite. And that is just, that's just with pizza. So that's, that's just with food. So look at it like that. Like you can have thousands of different modalities, thousands of different training styles, whatever you vibe with that's fine just stick with that yeah awesome today was this was a good conversation i liked it i think we we did some uh deep diving here today on some really good it's fun topics thanks for uh coming on yeah i hope some people got something out of that yeah i I love the social media (laughs) yeah we oh god i think we jumped from like we jumped into like three, four different topics, but it was awesome. I can go on social media forever. It's just fascinating. It really is. Bird's eye view perspective. Well, girl, thanks so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. Have you back on and guys, you can find Kendall on Instagram at doll fitness underscore, or visit her website, www.dollfitness.ca. If you need training, nutritional advice, hit her up.